It's time for episode 196 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, July 5th, 2017. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where, at the tone, the time will be halfway through 2017. I'm your co-host, Dan Moore, and I'm joined by my fantastic co-host, Micah Sargent. Hey, Micah, how you doing? So much better now that I've heard that beep. <laughs> it was kind of a questioning beep. I, I feel like maybe I didn't really commit to it. Yeah, you know, we'll work on that. We'll work on your commitment, Dan. <laughs> this is the Tech Show, where we talk about four tech topics with two wonderful guests. To my left, returning to the show, one of our favorite panelists, the co-host of Mac Power Users right here on Relay FM, Katie Floyd's back. Hi, Katie. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Hey, welcome. We're we're so glad, as always, to have you on the show. And to my left, the chief emoji officer at Emojipedia, Jeremy Burge. How are you doing? Hello, everybody, and can I say it is an honor to be here. We are. It's our honor. The honor's ours. No, 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 no. I'll I'll take the honor. <laughs> honor all around. Honor for every. Well, I'm today's designated co-host, so let's kick it off by talking about everybody's favorite topic. Backups, right? Backups. Everybody loves backups. So I've got three Macs in the house now that I need to back up, and I am looking for a good new solution. I'm curious to hear from you guys. What are your backup strategies? Katie, I am sure you have something for me. So, you know, on Mac Power Users, it seems like every year we do a backup show because it's just a topic we can never get enough of. Um, I use a belt and suspenders approach to backup. I backup with Time Machine, typically to my Synology, Synology NAS drive, so I can backup multiple drives. Um, I backup locally to a clone drive, to a hard drive. I typically use Carbon Copy Cloner these days. But my favorite type of backup is offsite backup. Right now I'm using Backblaze, um, although Crash Plan is pretty good too. So um, I like belt and suspenders because you can never have enough backups. No matter what you do, you can never have enough backups. I absolutely agree. You've got to back up the backup and also back up the backup and the backup. Um, I use Backblaze for offsite backups. I use um, iCloud's built-in backup system for my iOS devices. I use Google Photos to back up my photos. I think Amazon might also be storing my photos. Who knows? Um, I also have uh, a local it's what, a WD My Cloud thingy that I use to store uh, store most of my files as, you know, copies of them. Um, I don't actually have Time Machine working with that system because every time I set it up, something goes wrong and it's like, this is corrupted or this system are, is already in use with another computer. I'm like, no, this is the same computer. So I stopped using Time Machine for that, but I do keep uh, copies of all of the files there. So between Backblaze, iCloud, between Apple and Google and Amazon, all of my stuff is everywhere. And I guess if I ever need it, I can go and find it. Uh, and like you all, I use all the online things, but I kind of base my life around not backing up too many things. I've stopped having more than one Mac. I just own one Mac with the biggest hard drive I can get, so I don't get myself in a, a mess of having an external drive, then the external drive needs to be backed up to another drive. So, uh, yeah, I, I base my life around one Mac, so therefore I've got an external drive for Carbon Copy Cloner and all the, all the online stuff for everything else. 
That's probably pretty smart. I use CrashPlan for my Mac Mini, which is sort of my canonical file server in-house, and it's also backed up to a super-duper clone uh, daily. I had sort of been using Time Machine for my MacBook, but I was like time machining onto a internal drive in my iMac, and my new iMac only has just the solid-state drive, so I won't be doing that anymore. I've been looking into getting an NAS just because it seems like it would simplify matters for in-house backups and then put, like, CrashPlan, or I have a lot of people recommending ARC these days, A-R-Q, um, which is sort of like an off-site backup service, but you bring your own uh, network storage rather than using their own storage. So kind of an interesting and different approach there. But thank you all. I'm, I'm definitely going to check out some of these solutions and hopefully we'll find a secure way to back up everything that I have. That's topic number one down. Topic number two comes from Katie. So Amazon Prime Day is coming up and it is super, super hyped. Whether the deals are really deals is yet to be seen. But I am a Prime subscriber and I gather many people, probably most of you are too. So my question is, are you Prime members? But really, how have online retailers like Amazon changed your buying habits? Oh, it's probably made me a horrible person. Um, I use Amazon Prime for everything and, and will often like make excuses with myself for why I don't need to go to the actual physical store, um, except to buy fresh produce, which I totally would do with Amazon Prime if I lived in one of the places where they let me buy fresh produce from them. Um, I have Amazon Dash buttons all over the house, and uh, my partner and I do make good use of those. I think that uh, in the past, it would be, you know, the buying habit would be you run out of trash bags. And then after the, you know, they're all completely gone, then you go to the store and you get new ones. And then while you're there, you also buy six other things that are on sale just because, you know, you're walking past them. Or maybe that's just me. Um, But now, you know, you get down to the last three trash bags on the roll, you hit the button and they're there for you. And, you know, you don't get a chance to window shop or see anything else. So I think in that aspect, it certainly made me a little bit smarter because there aren't aisles for me to shop through and like find everything else that I don't need. Um, So it's or rather frugal is probably a better word than smarter. Um, So I do like that about using Amazon Prime. And then it's also probably made me a little bit more impatient because everything else you order online, it's like, I just want two day shipping and I want it to be free. (laughs) Uh, I'm kind of new to online shopping which might seem a bit strange but having lived in the uk only the last few years coming from australia uh, we don't have amazon in australia and i don't know whether you remember sort of 10 15 years ago when e-commerce was taking off and you'd google something to buy and you'd just randomly go to some shop to buy it and you wouldn't have a clue who they were what they were all about uh that's kind of still Australia to some degree, that the online experience isn't great and we take it a bit for granted, maybe in the US and the UK, that there is a store like Amazon that has so much that you want and it's it's addictive and it's great, right? You, it, you might be feeling a bit lazy about it, but who wants to sign up for a different registration on every website that you want to buy something on? If the price is roughly comparable to where you can get it elsewhere, then that's what you're going to do. You're going to jump on Amazon. And is there anyone left in the US or UK that isn't a Prime member now? <laughs> Probably some people, but they will be the, the wave will be removed in the next <laughs> the next wave. Just, put, yeah, it, just put it in the taxes. Just tax everybody and just have free <laughs> online shipping for the world. Sold. Uh, uh, yeah. Amazon, I think, has begun to occupy a place pretty similar to Google, right? Like, if I, if you ask me now, like, today, oh, find this thing, but don't use Google, it would take me, like, a minute just to think about how the heck I'm going to do that, because I'm so used to using just typing in Google or just searching with a Google search bar, right? Like, I could do it. It's just going to be a little 
harder. So Amazon, I think, is the same thing. It's just the default place you go. So if I wanted to buy something else, as Jeremy said, I could go to another a number of different sites and sign up for a new account, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But Amazon's always going to be the first place I check because they do have such an extensive inventory. So I think it's may become sort of that new monolithic, like one stop shop for just anything that I want to buy online. Uh, and I am a Prime member, and I, I definitely feel as Micah does that like now I'm impatient with everything that doesn't offer two day free shipping. Um, so the economies of scale really working for Amazon there, I feel like. Um, but it has just changed the number of things I buy online, which used to be like primarily relegated to like, oh, I'll buy computer stuff online because technology, you buy that online, right? Now it's just everything. It's just everything. Yeah, I'm I kind of in the same camp as most of you guys. I would say that I still do my normal grocery shopping. I have a grocery store right up the street and I, you know, get all my my produce and my food and, you know, just kind of the normal everyday staples. I do that once a week at the grocery store. But Amazon has really taken the place of everything else for me. And I would say it's really cut down on, you know, my my trips to other big box stores, especially for electronics or other consumables and, and things like that. Amazon has now become my default place. And I kind of feel bad about that. But the convenience factor of not not having to drive across town and do those things and knowing that I can order something and have it in two days. You know, I don't know that I'm saving a lot of money, but I feel like I'm definitely saving a lot of time. So my buying habits have definitely changed. And I don't know that that's necessarily for the better. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. So thanks for your your feedback on that. And thanks for that topic. That's two topics down, two topics to go. Let's take a quick break for halftime to talk about one of this week's sponsors. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by the fine folks at Squarespace. Enter offer code CLOCKWISE at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. They let you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Anything you want to create, you can you can make with Squarespace. Maybe you want to create an online store. Maybe you want to create a portfolio. Maybe you want to create a blog. Any of those things you can do. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace has got it covered. If something does come up, they have award-winning 24-7 customer support. If you need any help, they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name, and all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code CLOCKWISE to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for CLOCKWISE. We thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, make your next move. Make your next website. All right, that's halftime. Two topics down, two topics to go, and the first of those comes from Micah Sargent. Hello, hello, that's me. Um, so many Android devices that are out there have been able to support uh, QR code reading and NFC uh, tagging, where you both read and write to NFC tags. Uh, and as of iOS 11, iPhones and other devices that make use of iOS's built-in camera will be able to read QR codes. Apple's implementation just involves opening up the camera, pointing it at a QR code, and suddenly you can interact with said QR code. Uh, you can also, as of iOS 11, if you have an iPhone 7, 7 Plus, or anything that comes after that, uh, read NFC tags, but not write to them. So I am just curious, what do you think of QR codes? What do you think of NFC tags? Do you think one's better, worse? Do you think, you know, we're going to end up choosing one? I just want to know all of your thoughts on uh, both of those types of interactions. And we will start, of course, with Jeremy. So I think we kind of have to split up the difference between public QR codes and peer-to-peer that 
I don't know. I've never seen a single person scan a QR code on an ad in public. I, I don't think it ever happens. I've never seen every ad has a QR code on there. I've never seen someone walk up to it and scan it on their phone. Uh, I've never done it. And I just, I just wonder with the same thing with NFC as well, just this whole idea that an advertiser just puts a thing here and they think it's so enticing that everybody's going to want to do it. Uh, in a past life, I used to uh, do web consulting and every client, this is 2005, every client wanted QR codes on everything. And at least at the time, and I know this is forever ago now, the research was showing that nobody was scanning QR codes. But having said that, it's kind of amazing peer-to-peer. When you use Snapchat or WeChat and you want to add a friend and you scan the the ghost as a QR code, uh, that's incredible. It feels kind of like magic. And I think that's where the NFC thing will be popular is any kind of peer-to-peer where you're not necessarily friends with someone and you just want to send some info around. And I think that's kind of amazing. Yeah, I think the differentiation here is between the technology and the applications. I mean, the technology is pretty cool in both of these cases. And certainly I have seen uh, places where QR codes have been used effectively uh, because it is uh, it is a simple way to sort of get input and without having to type like a URL or something like that. Um, I feel like I've seen museums that use them well. Um, and I've, de- I've definitely done a few events where they use QR codes that I feel like have actually been pretty handy. And I'm glad that it will be built in to iOS because all the QR codes code apps i always feel like we're, we're pretty junky on ios um nfc similarly again i yeah it's a question of what the applications end up being certainly you know we see payments already being used for that with apple pay basically use it nfc i would really love to be able to use my phone as my transport pass for the subways and the buses because that would just make my life way easier because i've had multiple occasions recently where i realized i lent my pass to somebody uh and i didn't have it anymore and i needed it so that was kind of annoying um so yeah i, I feel like there are definitely applications of these things that are useful and i think the technology as Jeremy says, especially in cases where you're dealing with things that are otherwise really complicated workflows, like adding a user or sending information to someone that you don't know, you don't want to have to create a whole new contact or, you know, exchanging, exchanging phone numbers still seems really, really kind of old school, but it's sometimes the easiest way to do these things. So I'm curious to see with these features built in, whether or not there'll be more adoption from services and developers. Yeah, I think the the QR code is kind of an idea whose time has maybe come and gone, although I hear that it is still popular in other countries. I think when Apple announced this feature, they were saying that it was particularly of interest to their users in China. You know, Apple is all about continued growth in China. So um, perhaps it's just in the United States that that these things have come and gone, and, and I'm only looking at it from that point of view. I do think Apple's implementation of it is right. To make it as easy as possible, just flick open the camera, no special app needed, because I remember seeing... QR codes years ago. And I remember seeing some people were even putting them on their business cards. And I always thought that was a little <laughs> tacky. But, um, you know, because it was just this big blob and you'd go, okay, what, what are we going to do with this? Um, but um, I, I think NFC has an, has an interesting future. But I, I kind of also question whether whether everyday people will really know what, what to do with that. I, I think Dan's right that if we can use it as a way to exchange contact information, I'm always looking for a better business card scanner app because I collect a lot of business cards in my day job. And getting that information in my contacts is, is really difficult. But, man, if there was an easy way just to automatically add a contact card, that would be great. 
Yeah, uh, good points all around. So I, I think that one of the interesting things about uh, QR codes is that they kind of are democratized in the sense that, you know, you anybody can go online for free and go find a QR code generator and create a QR code. And it can be a number of things. It can be um, a Wi-Fi password and SSID. It could be your contact information. It could be a link to a website. It can be a phone number. It can be many different things. Um, with QR codes, or sorry, rather with NFC tags, um, and I actually bought some whenever I found out that iOS 11 was going to support this, and um, A, you, I had to buy them, but B, because iOS does not do the writing, only the reading, uh, I had to use the Android phone that I had with me to actually write to it. And then I also had to create an app that would allow me to read said NFC tag in order to get the information off of it. So that to me seems like the way that, you know, we have treated, at least on iOS, we've treated QR codes up to this point, because you have to have some third party app to actually access that information. And I think that 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 barrier to entry right there is already pretty crummy. And people talk about because QR codes kind of came around first or whatever. And so they seem sort of old school. But I don't know, to me at least, there's not much difference to me between, you know, making sure that my phone is within the range of the 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 NFC tag versus like taking my lens and facing it at whatever the QR code happens to be. And come iOS 11, last thing I'll say about this, come iOS 11, one of the cool things is the way that Apple implements this technology with camera. So if I was at a friend's house, they have a QR code on their router, you know, they want me on the guest network or whatever. I literally can just uh, swipe over with from my locked screen, put it, you know, facing toward that QR code. And then at the top, Apple automatically gives a prompt that says connect to this Wi-Fi network. I can hit that and we're good. Same thing goes for a contact. Like you could have it on the back of your shirt or whatever. It, you know, it's kind of silly, but I think Apple's made it really easy. And I could see potentially uh, QR codes getting, getting some attention again and being an okay thing. And uh, I guess just the comparison between the two, I don't see one as being like an, an older out of uh, date technology versus the other one, because they both kind of work the same. So that, yeah. that Wi-Fi scanning, I think is actually the killer feature that yeah, might actually yeah. be the genuine thing that you can have high security, 64 character passwords. And that probably is the hardest thing to, when you're announcing to someone, what's your Wi-Fi password <laughs> and you're reading them all out. I mean, that F could be F the killer EC. feature. Three, four, nine. <laughs> right. Wait, and wait, then, I typed yeah. seven. <laughs> and we all, we all end up using terrible passwords because it's easier to say them, whereas this could be uh, a revolution in Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so, so much. And now it is time for your topic, Jeremy. Uh, so this week, there was a bit of talk about the next iPhone dropping Touch ID. Uh, Ming-Chi Kuo, the analyst, uh, made a report to investors saying that the next iPhone probably won't have a fingerprint scanner. It might not fit in somewhere. And I was just wondering uh, what you all think. The report said that maybe facial identity or facial scanning would be the, the new Touch ID. And do you use Touch ID? And would a face ID be just as good? So Touch ID is, there's probably been no topic discussed as much on the iPhone 8, I feel like, as Touch ID. The sensor's going to be under the gut, the sensor's going to be on the back. There's not going to be a sensor. I feel like every week there is a new rumor about it. So here's my feeling on the matter. Touch ID has been incredibly transformative. And just like we were talking about with QR codes a second ago, this enables you to have really, really powerful, really strong passwords without the you know hassle of having to type it in every single time you want to unlock your phone. It's not a perfect technology, but it works pretty well. Uh, Apple's invested a lot of time and energy in this. I don't 
see them throwing it by the wayside quite so quickly. Um, facial ID, to my experience, has not been as good. I've tested it out in a couple of apps, um, including my bank, and I was like, You're, "You can you can fool these things." pretty easily with like a video like pointed at another phone with a video of that person on it and you basically can unlock it so unless they've come up with a really interesting way to do it which maybe they have if they've worked in some like 3d scanners or something like that i don't know that's possible uh then maybe this could get anywhere near similar but there are a lot of places where you want to be able to unlock your phone without having to point it at your face so i feel like overall this is just not as good a solution um, and maybe apple has a really compelling story if they're going to replace it but i don't think so what i do think is possible is that facial id might be offered as an option alongside touch id uh, and that basically those could be sort of bundled together under some sort of like authentication kit and that you would basically have different biometric ways to authenticate yourself and access your phone but i'm extremely skeptical of the idea that touch id will go away and that it will be replaced wholesale with facial id i just don't think that technology is ready for that I agree with Dan here. I, I'm not sure that I believe these rumors. I, I think it's too soon for Touch ID to completely go away. And I realize that, you know, the whole idea that's being floated around with this new iPhone is it's completely bezel-less and maybe no buttons. But I, I don't think Touch ID is going away just yet. I think there might have to be a generation of two of, of iPhone where there is both Touch ID and playing around with facial recognition because I doubt that technology is going to be so good to go right out of the gate that it's going to be ready to completely ditch Touch ID for it. But, um, you know, we'll see. I, I hope that it's wrong because I, I love Touch ID and I think it's really revolutionized the way that we handle passwords and really upped our security game on iOS. But but we'll see about that. I, I don't know about Face ID and how security conscious it is. I mean, I, I realize that, you know, there, there are ways to bypass fingerprints and, you know, just get someone to touch it and those types of things. But yeah, Face ID seems like it might have some issues, too. Um, it feels very new. And, you know, I guess we'll see about that. But I, I, I would say that I'm skeptical. I'm very skeptical about a lot of the rumors in particular that are coming around about the new uh, iPhone. And, and keep in mind, about this time last year, there were a ton of rumors floating around and, you know, you know what we what we got was was the iPhone 7 which was not necessarily that tremendous of a leap either I uh, I agree wholeheartedly with with everything that everybody is saying uh because I I think that uh, at least the people who kind of uh pay attention to this stuff and really you know are are looking into it have all have about the same skepticism honestly and to me the thing here is I can't wait for day one if this were to ship the, the, the face feature uh, and you already have like four different security sites, you know, where they've got like a poorly shot video showing how they're using somebody else's face to, you know, make it make it log into your phone or they have like a, a mannequin or something like that or they've printed out a photo and uh they, they do different silly things just like they did with the fingerprint reader so like uh, yeah i i'm a little skeptical of any sort of face technology at the same time i think someone had brought up a good point the other day on twitter about how apple's new depth sensing technologies and stuff like that can help uh make it possible for a really secure uh, facial recognition software. And what's interesting is one of the main, you know, updates in iOS 11 in terms of uh, the image processing, things like that, is that faces that are 
in profile and faces that are slightly covered and faces that are just parts of faces can be detected as faces. Um, and that's all they said is that they can be detected as faces. And it'd be interesting to see, you know, to what level they can detect those faces, if they can tell the difference between my face and someone else's. So maybe it's there, but I don't want to get rid of my, my touch ID, even if it has to be moved to the back, which I don't mind on the Huawei Mate 9 Android device that I have. Um, it's, it's fine. Uh, and, and I'll be okay. But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't know. <laughs> uh, like the rest of you, I, I don't want Touch ID to go away either. But, I mean, hypothetically, in a world where Apple did design a Face ID that was, let's say, perfect or very fast and very secure, uh, the issues I have about it would be potentially just the contactless payments. We were talking about uh, Apple Pay, that sort of thing before. And Dan, you said about paying on the subway. You can pay on the tube over here in London right. with your phone and you hold out your hand and you touch your thumb on the sensor as you beep in the barrier and your face isn't anywhere near the line of sight there. And I can only imagine the, the cue backs of people <laughs> everyone staring at their phone as they beep through the, the terminal. So putting aside the security, even if we get to the point where that's not an issue, uh, yeah, I do wonder about the practicalities of how we could do that. And then there's also... As you all said, the security side of it. Also in the UK, there's limitless Apple Pay now. You can pay unlimited payments up to £10,000 uh, at about 50% of retailers here. And I think it'd be a hard sell getting banks on board with the idea that the facial scanning is good enough to mm -hmm. be doing £10,000 payments with just a photo of your face. Yeah, that's, that seems tricky. I will be using my face to buy all of my clothes now. Or your face. Maybe I'll use your face. We'll see. I'm, I'm taking my face off the internet immediately. <laughs> you can't have my face. So that's four topics down, and we have got just enough time for a bonus topic. A bonus topic this week is brought to you by our friends at Linode. Linode lets you get set up in seconds with their fast and powerful hosting. Their tools are easy to understand, and they let you choose your resources in Linux distro, giving you the power and flexibility you need. Linode plans now start at just $5 a month for a Linux server with one gigabyte of RAM in the Linode cloud. And Linode offers industry-leading performance with native SSD storage, access to a 40 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors, which are the fastest processors in the cloud market. They have nine data centers spread across the world, meaning you can serve your customers quickly. They have an API that allows you to easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud. They offer super simple scaling, allowing you to resize your servers in just a couple of clicks, and it's all manageable via the command line. All of Linode's pricing tiers feature hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and node balancers. Linode has fantastic pricing options available. As I said, you can get a server with one gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month. If you want to go all the way across the board, you can go all the way up to 16 gigabytes of RAM for just $60 a month. And across the line, Linode are offering twice the amount of RAM that you'll get elsewhere. Best of all, as a listener of this show, you get sign up at linode.com slash clockwise. You'll not only be supporting us, but you'll also get $20 towards any Linode plan, and that can get you pretty far with a $5 a month option. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there is nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash clockwise to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit, or use the promo code clockwise2017 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting this show and Relay FM. Now... For the bonus topic, it was just the 4th of July, America's birthday here in the United States. My question for you, are you a fireworks person? Do you enjoy watching fireworks, setting them off? None of the above. Katie, what do you say? 
I don't mind watching fireworks. I, I think they can be beautifully done. I am not a fan of actual fireworks themselves. I just had to take fireworks away from uh, a couple of pre-teenage boys last night because they were, you know, possibly burning our house down. So um, lots of trouble can happen with fireworks. So please be safe, people. Yeah, that's a big thing right there. I've uh, had family members injured by fireworks in the past pretty badly. Um, I, I don't mind them in the same way. The big displays are kind of fun, and I do love those gigantic booms. However, I have two very small dogs who I love more than most things in this world, and they do not like fireworks at all. And so in that sense, all fireworks are my enemy because all fireworks are my dog's enemy. <laughs> uh, I have no dogs, so I am fireworks, two thumbs up, hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> more fireworks, but yeah, maybe some earmuffs for the dogs. I don't know. What can we do to help them out? <laughs> I mean, dogs and earmuffs is, is already, or should be a tumbler if it's not. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, starting th- it right now. Two thumbs up for fireworks is really important at, for Firework Safety Month, just so you can keep those two thumbs up. Um, <laughs> I don't mind watching big fireworks displays, but I've, it's been years since I've set off any fireworks, and mostly I advise people, leave it to the professionals safe i agree but they're fun to watch and they are beautiful at times thanks for your thoughts on that it's the end of the show all that remains is for us to thank our two fabulous guests this week katie floyd thank you so much for being here thanks for having me yes and also thank you so much jeremy burge for being here i give you 100 points emoji uh two thumbs up emoji plus the what is it the second color tone modifier it's great (laughs) second color tone has the blonde hair but uh but it's a good skin match so nonetheless (laughs) i'll take it and it's been it's been fantastic thank you for having me so we're, we're approaching quickly approaching episode 200 which will be no doubt an exciting extravaganza with many fireworks Oh, yeah, obviously. Just uh, make sure to bring the earmuffs. Oh, good call. Good call. And that's it for this week. We'll be back next week. Until then, I remind you, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. <laughs>